Greetings and welcome to today's Denarius. I'm Ron Thomas. I'd like to welcome you to, to the podcast. And this is a devotional site uh, dedicated to the glory of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope you had a chance to listen to the last two podcasts of my interview with a lifelong friend of mine, Dale Allen. And he talked about his COVID experience and really, um, which I thought during that time, along with his hallucinations during the 19 days uh, that he was on a ventilator, uh, he coded for a period of time of around four to five minutes. And in that time frame, um, he described that he was visited uh, by what seemed to be uh, family members. And, you know, we all, we really don't know and we don't, um, we don't see what's on the other side. But, you know, I could say from knowing this family for years and knowing Dale that uh, I truly believe that there is much truth uh, to what he had said. So I invite you to listen if you haven't listened to those two episodes. And, and uh, even from a medical slash human standpoint, um, you learn about um, the journey uh, that one goes through who really, really had everything that COVID could throw their way, and he survived. You know, his organs were failing. Um, all kinds of bad things were happening, lung collapsing. All of this was happening at that time uh, up until he coded. And then after that experience, uh, he really started turning around. So I give that to you. Um, I really do think uh, very, of course, very well worth listening. Um, you know, we talk a little bit about our human journey there uh, together as friends growing up and the family. They were kind of my second home. But then we start talking about uh, the COVID experience. And you know, that's something that in our time, especially because so many people um, are fearful of this. Uh, that you can really benefit uh, from the learning experience about it. And I do want to say, I encourage my friends, you know, uh, the Lord doesn't teach us to live in fear. Our, our uh, path is a path of trust, that we know that the Lord has our lives uh, in his hands, and we have to take our comfort um, in that. You know, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of, time of need, and Psalm 46, 1. But what does the next verse said, say? It says, therefore, we will not fear. And then after that, it starts talking about though the mountains quake and the earth tremble and, you know, all the, ca all, all the catastrophes that the world can bring. Um, there is a river. There is a place of rest in the Spirit of God and in God alone. So take solace in that. Uh, our God is good. Uh, there is value to be still and know that I am God. Um, and what happened with Dale Allen was part of the Christian experience. You know, that, that's the way that you and I should look at that. We, are, we don't go around looking for visions and things like that. What, I mean, what happened to him uh, in his life, you know, I, I do think it's a very positive thing to give us encouragement in the way that God works in our lives. Uh, but we don't have to go looking out for something like that happening to us or even praying for it because certainly nobody wants to get that ill. Um, but you know, Dale, has, his life has changed. 
Uh, he's walking in, in a path uh, with the Lord like I've, in my many years, uh, have never seen before, and it's really beautiful to watch. And on the other side, he will be back on the program again. <laughs> I'm working on getting some material because we used to talk about a lot of certain things, and I think it'd be good um, to get Dale together and, and maybe uh, do a number of good uh, shows. We can talk about Bible prophecy. Uh, we can talk about culture and the spiritual warfare that's going on. Uh, many things that are happening in our world right now that are very concerning. But today I want to look at something that really, on a concerning level, really um, uh, bothered me greatly. Um, about a week ago, a survey was released that was conducted by um, Lifeway. Um, Lifeway is uh, the media arm of the uh, Southern Baptist Convention. And Ligonier Ministry, every two years they combine uh, to do a survey of the state of religion in America and in the evangelical church as well. So there's two parts to the survey. And, and uh, this year they interviewed over 3,000 adults and among them uh, around 600 uh, were from 600 plus to 700 were from the evangelical church. Um, you know, I've never seen stats like this before. I do want to say up front, uh, my favorite minister of the night, or sorry, the 20th century, was named Martin Lloyd Jones, who was pastor of the Westminster Chapel. I think not far off from 30 years. Um, he was there somewhere in the 1950s or before that, to 1968, and um, but he passed in 1981. Um, legendary minister. You actually you can listen to Martin Lloyd Jones on. Um, uh, his app, uh, there's an app, MLJ Sermons. Uh, you have them all there. Uh, everything that, that was taped um, throughout the years of his ministry at the Westminster Chapel in London, England, um, and many books. Uh, there's, he was a, after he uh, retired from ministry, um, he turned his sermons uh, into books. And some of those series, we have Ephesians, we have Romans. Uh, he did Acts, but Somewhere in the middle of Acts is where he retired. Uh, some from First uh, John, uh, and then he has other sermons on other topics. Knowing the Times is one of my favorite books of his, and that that really was on key to many of the things that were happening um, in the theological social world of England at that time. That, as usual, found their way and and polluted our land and our churches uh, as well. Uh, one of the things that he wrote and what I'm getting to at, at here in that book, Knowing the Times, which I think it was that one, it was either that one or the Puritans, uh, which is another great read, um, is uh, uh, what is an evangelical? And if you can ever get it, I think Banner of Truth Publishers puts out a book. It was a series of sermons titled, What is an Evangelical? But I always tell people the number one characteristic that makes one an evangelical, if this doesn't exist, they're not evangelical. They are people of the book. They're people who believe the Bible, believe it's truth, that it's the word of God, uh, and therefore, whatever the Bible says in its context, being that it was inerrant and infallible and stuff, you know, is the truth, is God's truth as revealed to man what God expects of us, how to live, and how we are to worship, love, and live for him. 
Um, and in addition to that, the Bible is really the main source where we get the life of Jesus, what Jesus did, what he came to do, well, who is, what his person is, what his work is. Uh, all of that is in the Bible. So if you're going to undercut the Bible and you're going to say any one part of the Bible is untrue, then what parts of the Bible do you know are true? Let me give you an example, and then I'll get into this survey. This is a great example. <laughs> when I was in the seminary, when I was in seminary in the 90s, um, a group of so-called scholars, and I really do literally say so-called scholars, um, I would never, ever equate what they did with anything on par in any way with what we'd call scholarship. Um, what these characters did was come together. They called themselves the Jesus Seminar, and I would actually label them the False Jesus Seminar. And they decided that they were going to uh, really choose and, and, and really figure out what Jesus really said in the Gospels and throughout Scripture. You have uh, uh, Jesus talking to the seven churches, the message of uh, of. of uh, Revelation 2 and 3, um, you see sometimes where he communicated in the book of Acts, so, uh, and along with the four Gospels. Um, now, some will say that Jesus is parent very much in the Old Testament, which I believe that is true as well. Some people in the angel of the Lord um, and, and other places. And of course, the prophecies concerning Jesus, uh, where he was going to be born, uh, the descriptions in Isaiah about him, especially Isaiah uh, 52 and 53, they're just astounding. Um, Psalm 22, which really is about an exact uh, depiction of the crucifixion. Um, uh, all of these things add up, and all of these things should really only fit no one person, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But these characters came together and decided that they were going to draw straws. <laughs> You decide on the word of God and who Jesus is by drawing straws. Now, this is real. This is how it happened. So they had different color straws. And if, uh, if it was a black straw, I can't remember. I'm not going to actually identify the colors. But the categories were uh, one straw for uh, he definitely did not say that. Another straw next to it most likely did not say that. And then another straw probably did say that. And the last one was definitely said that. Well, what happened was when all of the tallying of the straws came in, I think they only wound up probably with 12 to 20% that Jesus actually said and did what he did. What, how, what nonsense. I mean, what not? We don't get to decide on the word of God. You do understand that we would know nothing about God if God didn't reveal himself to us. And how did he reveal himself to us? In the special revelation called his word, the Bible, as we know it. So we, if God didn't reach out to us, again, we would know nothing about him. So uh, this is the kind of foolishness and the folly and the lengths that people will go to uh, to, ta to attack the good news, uh, the gospel, and our Lord Savior and Savior uh, Jesus Christ, which this survey here that I'm going to talk about now has everything to do with that. All right, uh, this article came from the Christian Post. It was dated on September 2nd, 2020. Um, this 
gave the results before the actual survey uh, was released. However, uh, there is enough of it here to go ahead and say, wow, we have a real problem. And you know, we've had this problem for years. There has been a theological slash evangelical drift for a while, and it's just been manifesting itself more and more. We have failed leaders. I mean, we are, we are in a bad way in many ways right now. But I want to go ahead and talk about this, um, this survey. So more than half of American adults, including more than half, so it's around 52% of American adults here. So get that one in your, in your mind. And then including 30% of evangelicals. Reminder, evangelicals are the conservatives. These are supposed to be the real Bible-believing Christians in the country. But 30% of evangelicals say Jesus isn't God but most agree he was a great teacher, according to results from the 2020 State of Theology survey, which was from the two groups that I told about earlier. 30% um, of evangelicals say he isn't God, but he was a great teacher. Now, what is important about this? You understand if, if Jesus was just a great teacher. And by the way, if he was really a great teacher, why did they crucify him? Uh, and I say that humbly. Jesus was a great teacher, but they put him on a cross. Do we do that to great teachers? He was just a great teacher. Well, he was the greatest teacher. He gave the greatest sermon. He gave the greatest ethic in the history of the world on the Sermon on the Mount. Yes, but he's not the Savior. And the reason I say that is, if he was only a great teacher, then he would have been like you and me. He would have had sin. And that means he would have been no different um, than you and me. He would not be the God-man. He would not be son of God. And he would not be son of, he could be son of man. He could be born of Mary, but he could not be the son of God. That would be untrue. See, when people say this, they don't realize what they're denying. And... Only Jesus in the scripture is the one who was chosen by God to be the savior of mankind. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That's John 3.16. And his only begotten means one and only, unique, one of a kind. It comes from a Greek word, monogenes. And monogenes is a truly unique word. You don't, even in English, we don't use, we're not supposed to. Many people violate this grammar rule. But unique means one of a kind, non-parial. It's, it's only one and only. Um, you don't use the word very in front of unique. It is unique. Unique is an essence of itself. Putting very on it is not necessary. Monogenes, look at it the same way. There is no other. Jesus was, is the one and only Son of God who was given to us to die on a cross for our sins. He was the only one who lived the perfect life and his righteousness becomes our righteousness when we receive him as Lord and Savior. Now, these 30% here, are denying the truth. They're denying the truth of Scripture. Paul, 
And you can read the Sermon on Mars Hill in Acts chapter uh, 17. He talked about how God gave evidence by sending the one and holy Son to die on a cross. He proved that he was the Savior and that he died for us and that he rose again. That's the only evidence. That's the only thing and the only one. Whoever rose from the dead, died on a cross and did that, he was the only one who resurrected, resurrected and accomplished eternal salvation for mankind. And therefore, we must repent and come to the Lord and receive him as Savior. Turn away from our sins. Turn away from ourselves and receive him in our Lord and Savior. And I said this before on the podcast that the Greek word kurios for Lord means, uh, it means Lord, but it means master, it means owner. It, it is a very, in a sense, strong word, the word kurios. Um, we we uh, give our lives, we're under a new master. We don't live for sin. We don't live for self anymore once we receive Christ. The devil's children do. Really, when it all comes down to it, um, people reject Jesus Christ because they want to be their own agent, their own free agent. I'm going to do my will. What business does God have to rule my life? Well, he does have business to rule your life because he created you for one thing. And another thing is he says, this is the only way I have given to you and my love for you that you can know and you can come to have eternal life is through Jesus Christ who I sent at the fullness of time, like Galatians 4, chapter 4 says. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. But we see that we really, really have many pagans in the temple today. This has been concerning, and we'll talk a little bit more um, about this. I want to read on a little bit more for you. Uh, Even though the Bible and traditional teachings of the Christian church hold that Jesus truly existed as both God and man, among key findings of the biennial State of the Theology survey from Ligonier Ministries conducted with LifeWay Research is that 52 American adults, percent of American adults, uh, believe that was uh, Jesus was a great teacher and nothing more. Then it goes on to say about the third of evangelicals um, also support looking at Jesus that way. Now, Stephen Nichols, uh, a wonderful Bible teacher, um, he's the president of, uh, of the, uh, where are you there? Uh, Reformed Bible College uh, and part of Ligonier Ministries. Actually, he, if you ever watch Ligonier Ministries or have their app, listen to Stephen Nichols. He's a wonderful teacher. Uh, statistics like these from the State of the Theology survey, survey can give us quite a shock. But they also shed light on the concerns that many American Christians and churches have expressed for decades. As the culture around us increasingly abandons its moral compass, Compass, uh, professing evangelicals are sadly different, diff- drifting away from God's absolute standard in Scripture. That's what from Stephen Nichols. And you know that's true because what happens is, as the society moves further leftward, it's like the church, you know, is, is, is following behind it. Many are dragging. And so where the world's leading, the church is following following. We only have one leader. Let's be clear about that. The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, her Lord. It's a beautiful hymn, by the way. And by the way, we should be singing that hymn. Our foundation is not to follow culture, 
and the ways of this world. Jesus and Jesus alone. We should never see a number like that, 30% of evangelicals. It's really, really just washed away what evangelical means. Rule number one, evangelicals are a people of the book. Now, in history, this is not the first time something like this has happened. I can tell you that right now. Um, in the uh, early church, in the 300s to early 400s, uh, there was a huge controversy. It was called the Arian Controversy. Arius uh, really demoted Jesus Christ from his son of God, son of man status, uh, made Jesus more like a created being. Um, and um, there was a war over this in the church for many, many years. Um, there were two councils, two church, church councils that were called together uh, to address this. And on one side, the, the man promoting the heresy was a man named Arius. And the one on the other side fighting uh, for the church and for the truth uh, was a church father named Athanasius. Athanasius is one of the great church fathers. Uh, if you ever get a chance to read a bio on Athanasius, I, I couldn't encourage you to do that more. Uh, but nevertheless, um, Athanasius, who was actually um, exiled five times, and really he was exiled five times over believing this truth of Jesus being the Son of God and the Son of Man, upholding the fact that of Jesus' divinity. Um, he paid a high price in his, in his life for it. He was not martyred, I don't believe, but nevertheless, enduring five exiles, fighting a singular battle. Um, actually, uh, he was fighting this battle so hard and, and many times so well uh, that he earned himself a great nickname. And my Latin might be a little rusty, rusty but I think it was con contra mundum. And what that meant was for his nickname, given by, uh, given by people in theological uh, circles. It, it meant Athanasius against the world. He was way ahead of the athletes of our times. You got teams, you know, so-and-so team against the world. Forget that. Athanasius had that title in the 300s. <laughs> but there was Athanasius, so we, we got to thank God for that man uh, because he, if he hadn't been fighting that battle, I tell you right now, Christianity wouldn't be Christianity. There were, there were two great dangers to the early church. One of them was Gnosticism. Um, Gnosticism was really one of the most, very most dangerous beliefs that really almost destroyed early, the early church. Um, I could talk about that at, at, at another time. Uh, but then this one too, the Arian heresy. Um, and God raised a man like Athanasius uh, to fight that battle for us, which is what we ought to be thankful for. Two church councils arose out of that. One was the Council of Nicaea, the 325 one, and uh, another one, uh, the Council of Chalcedon, uh, was a church council to address that issue. Both of those church councils, so to speak, put Arianism to rest. However, Arianism never went away. Arianism lived today, and I, I can't talk to you about everything in between, but... You can look at the split between the Eastern and Western uh, Church. Um, uh, the Roman Catholics and the Eastern Orthodox Churches uh, in that period of time, thought 1000 AD, I believe, somewhere in that period uh, that happened. That was one of the times that uh, of, um, 
things, beliefs concerning the Godhead, the Trinity, uh, caused a split in the church. But there were other reasons for that, that split between uh, the Western church and the Eastern church. So uh, it, it wasn't that alone. But we can look at our American history and the modernist fundamentalist movement in the 1920s when that war began. That's when liberalism really started seeping into the seminaries, into the churches, and we're paying a price for it then, and it's in our churches today. Arianism never really went away. It just took on different masks, different disguises. That's how the devil works. <laughs> There's nothing new under the sun, friends. There's nothing new under the sun. It's just another disguise, just another mask to fool people. And what we have today are a bunch of unbelievers staining the church of Christ. Some 65% of evangelicals in the study were also found to agree with the statement. Listen to this. Where's the teaching in the church today? Before I get into the article again. How does this happen in the church of the people of the book? Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God. I hope most of you don't buy that. Jesus in his essence, was with God in the beginning, from the beginning, from eternity. And where do you say that? Go ahead and prove it. All right, well, I'll go ahead and talk to you for a moment about Colossians and start at Colossians 1.15. This is really one of the greatest Christological passages in all of Scripture. He is the image of the invisible God. This is speaking about Jesus, and listen to this. The firstborn over all creation. Now, the firstborn of over all creation does not say here, it does not mean that Jesus was created. What it's saying is that he was the head over creation. It's a position of rank is what this means. That means he was there. It wasn't a created being of God just sent here to earth. He was there presiding over creation. Some people don't read their Bibles very well is what the problem is. For, oh, this is still talking about Jesus. Listen to verse 16. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. You tell me from that passage how Jesus is the greatest being created by God. He was there. He was there. This statement is by no means Trinitarian whatsoever. The Son of God just didn't appear at a time 2,000 years ago, that, and he didn't exist, exist before. And we'll get more into that here, here in a moment. Why are Christians in our churches today not being taught Christology? And that's about the doctrine of the person and the work of Jesus Christ. This is astounding. He is before all things. By him, all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn of the dead. And that just means there's a new thing there. He was the only human being to ever be resurrected to be the savior of the world. That's what the firstborn is. But this is why he's son of God and son of man. He was always there. You can go to look at Philippians chapter two, 
where it talked about him not uh, uh, him willingly laying aside. He never lost his divinity. He didn't set aside his divinity. He just chose not to exercise the full power of that divinity when he walked on this earth because he was the son of man. And his work was to seek and to save that which was lost. He had a mission here. Speaking of mission, you know, the Lord had a mission. God had a mission for his son, you know, and for believers, he has a mission for us too. Have you ever thought about that for your life? What are you doing? What are you doing in service to God? What has he called you to do? You know, I said in one of my lessons that some of the most miserable, oh, with when I, in my Dale Allen interview, that some of the most miserable people I see were people who walked away from God's calling. Have you walked away from God's calling? It's time to come back. Well, we are living in some of the most trying days. 2020 has been a year unlike I've ever anything I've ever seen. It's almost like a Lord's warning, get ready. Get ready, I'm coming soon. And, and you want to know why? One of the greatest signs in the church before Jesus returns is the great apostasy. The man of sin being revealed, revealed and the great falling away. And I'm telling you, things like this survey are showing that we are in the great falling away. It's happening. Are you ready? When people start believing things and bringing them into the church, they have nothing to do with the gospel. And some of that's happening right now with what's happening culturally. Uh, this is a sign of the great falling away. Where are you? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? You come to God, you have to come to God his way. You don't get to make that choice. When I quoted the verse, for God so loved the world earlier, it, it also says God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I want to just tell you, unless you know and understand the weight of your sin, the only thing you can bring to him is your sin and, and ask him to forgive you of that. And when the Bible says repent, it means have a change of mind for, G for Jesus that causes a lead, a change in direction. When you come to Jesus and you get a new life, the Bible says, uh, if any man is in Christ, he or she is a new creature. Old things, the old way of life is gone and new things have come. If you haven't had that divine and supernatural experience, as Jonathan Edwards called it, you don't know Christ. You're separated from the kingdom. And this is the time that you need to get ready. You want to believe and know who Jesus Christ is. He is everything the Bible taught about him. And unfortunately, many people aren't getting and learning about Jesus because uh, they're not understanding or learning about the Jesus of the Bible. So having said that, let me uh, go on a little bit. Um, I said he's the head of the body of uh, the church, firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For God was well pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. This is talking about Jesus being the God-man. If you want to come to the Lord, you know, for the Christian, this is good. This is the beauty of what Jesus did for us. Jesus rescued us from the domain of darkness this is what every believer was before they came to Christ, the domain of darkness. Yes, we know who is the ruler of the darkness and the spiritual forces in wickedness in wicked places. That's the devil. 
and transferred us into the kingdom of the son he loves. Transferred is, is, is it's a literal move. It's a literal change. Now, if you just signed a card and, and you thought you came to the Lord and nothing ever changed and you have no care or concern to follow him or, or what you do, you, you didn't have a divine and supernatural experience. I'm going to say that to you right now because you still love your sin. You still love yourself. You're still going to go out and do things the way you want to do them no matter what anybody thinks about it. You're lost. But for the true Christian, they've been transferred from that kingdom to Christ's kingdom. In him, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Well, how are you walking? How are you walking? It says in Colossians 1.21, once, for the Christian, once you were alienated and hostile in your minds as expressed in your evil actions. That was how you lived. That should be the story of everybody who's come to Christ. That's what I was at one time. You want to know the difference between the saved and the lost? It's a question of are or were. Are you still in your sins? Are you still alienated and hostile to God? And you might just say, oh, Jesus is fine with I have no problem with him. Yeah, you do. You're still living your way and you refuse to take him as your Lord and Savior. Nobody in their nature loves God until the Holy Spirit calls them and they follow Christ. Then you change. And God has a problem with you because he can't let you into his presence because your sins have alienated you from him. But for the Christians, ones who know them, once were, you were alienated, alienated and hostile. For the lost, you are alienated and hostile in your minds. That's the difference. And your evil actions display it. But now he has reconciled you by his physical body through his death. Oh, by the way, it was not. It was not. It was a real physical death. Jesus had a real physical body and he also had a full bodily resurrection. But now he's reconciled you by his physical body through his death to prevent you holy, faultless, and blameless before him. You know, you got to think about this because if you're still living in your sins and you don't know Christ, why would you be happy in heaven? Why would you be? What do you think is going to be going on there? That's going to be the saints in light. We're going to be worshiping God, doing whatever he gives us to do, but lost people aren't going to be happy in heaven because that's not their home. That's not the home they're living in. Where are you living? Are you living for the kingdom? Or are you living for yourself? There are other verses I can give you, but I do want to just uh, talk a little bit um, about, I talked about history in light of this earlier, about the uh, apostasy of things like the Jesus, um, Jesus Seminar, uh, the one that went back to that character Arius and the battles with Athanasius, the modernist movement a little bit. Um, but in the confessions to the Westminster, and I only want to talk briefly about that, but uh, true fundamental Orthodox Christianity uh, believes in the Trinity that God the Father, um, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You know, there, there's actually songs that we sing. The doxology, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Uh, that was written around 1670 during the Reformation period, but it was written to teach kids about the Trinity and what a, what a simple way to do it. It's beautiful. Now there's another song that was written. It was the battle cry against Arianism 
And that song was called uh, uh, The Gloria Patri. I like Latin, I'll tell you. What a, what a, what a great language. <laughs> I had a few years of that back in high school and college. Kind of crazy for a Baptist. We, we usually don't agree with Latin too much, but I enjoyed it. But the Gloria Patri is a song that's often sung in churches. Um, Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is, was, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Amen. You talk about the Trinity, the three characters, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, in their eternality. That's what the Gloria Patri is all about to combat the Arian heresy. So some of those things, some of those songs were written, and some of the hymns we sing were written. A mighty fortress is our God uh, was written to battle this, the corruption of a religious institution of its time that many of the reformers saw as the Antichrist. So, but let's look at the Westminster Confession. Um, in the unity of the Godhead, there are be three persons of one substance, power, and eternity. I'm sorry, yeah, in eternity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. The Father is of none, neither begotten nor proceeding. The Son is eternally begotten of the Father, the Holy Ghost eternally proceeding from the Father and the Son. And the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, being very and eternal God of one substance and equal with the Father, did when the fullness of time was come, Galatians 4.4, 4, that's a, uh, take upon him man's nature with all essential properties and common infirmities thereof. And it goes on. Uh, read the Westminster Confession. That's uh, from section eight, which is titled uh, Christ the Mediator. Uh, it's beautiful. Um, talks very much about um, uh Jesus uh, in all aspects. I mean, I'm only just reading you a small, reading a small section of it. Uh, but you know, there's a couple other practical things we do. When we baptize people, we baptize them in the name. Notice I didn't say names. We baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's in Matthew uh, chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Jesus gave that great commission and talked about baptizing. And he, in, in the Greek, it is the name. That is Trinity. Um, over in 2 Corinthians 13, 13, another indicator of the Trinity. The grace, of our Lord, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Uh, certainly another one um, of a sign of the Trinity. So... You know, every generation has to fight this battle. And I just want to tell you, where are you in that? You know, you are, what kind of stand in these times are you and I making? What are we doing uh, for the Lord? I hope and pray uh, as the music plays here, I, I really hope and pray in these troubled times uh, that you and I will take a look, do some spiritual inventory. Um, you know, none of us do this walk of faith, faith uh, perfectly. None of us do. And you know, even the great saints that I've read throughout my lifetime <laughs> have all given indicators that I've, in their own humility, 
they looked at it like, I never really did anything for the Lord. <laughs> Let's pray and ask God to call us. You know, we do need to be good in our walk. We live in a time where we need to be in prayer for our nation. Uh, we need to be prayer for what special calling uh, God may have for us. What are you going to do about it? Some of you might not know the Lord Jesus Christ right now. And I just say, call on him. Bible says, for whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you believe in your heart, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And that will sounds like a whole lot of certainty to me. And if you do, Get to a Bible-believing church. Get to one of those churches that are really evangelical, that are people of the book. And then you'll grow in Christ, and you'll be a new creature. I want to say thank you for listening tonight. This is a longer edition of Two Days Denarius. I'm doing it on a different recording pattern uh, app tonight. But it's good to have a longer chat um, and I do want to really uh, give you heart, give heartfelt thanks for those who have listened uh, to my program over time. And I certainly wanted to go out and pray for this program. I ask that you pray. This is about encouragement. It's about growth. Um, like I said, the things that I do with this are for the glory of God. I believe in God has freely given salvation to me and I'm going to freely give back. But I do ask that you pray because there are people out there who need the Lord Jesus Christ. So having said that, uh, grace to you again. Uh, may the Lord be with you through the rest of this week. And this is Two Days Denarius. I'm Ron Thomas. Till next time, may God be with you.